exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Yo, it was meant to be a farewell concert, but it changed the music industry forever. We gotta do it again. And launched the careers of countless artists. We had all been underground bands, but that was changing. All while giving the mainstream the middle finger. That's entertainment. Don't miss this three-part docuseries that was 30 years in the making. Lala, the story of Lollapalooza. New docuseries now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Get fired up. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh yeah, you hear that sound. MMA is back in your ear hole with the State of Combat Podcast. Your boy Brian Campbell, yes, the voice. And you know I come with friends. You know I come with very important friends. Hall of Fame worthy friends survivors out there in the in the concrete jungle in the earthquake village okay i'm talking about the tower of ayahuasca power yes bring him in right now sugar rashad evans south florida zone rashad how is it my friend it is beautiful the weather is great uh bc i don't have too much to complain about especially after a saturday night's performance on the fire I'm still, uh, I'm still buzzing off that. Uh, I believe it was the great American poet Jake Hager, Rashad, who once said, I'm rock hard with emotion right now. <laughs> I've got a phoner. Um, yeah, me too. Me too, buddy. Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker authored. Uh, we're going to get into it, but they authored something special at UFC Fight Night on Saturday night. Uh, just as a generic reaction, Rashad, what does that still do to you, the ex-champion, the maybe ex-fighter, we don't know, the professional analyst and the sports fan himself, when you see that type of just willing to take the jar and pour it in the center of the cage and just find out what happens next? It, it makes me want to go to that place. You know, I've been there a few times, and, and it's a it's a special place you go into where where you just kind of, everything else just kind of fades out on the outside and it's just you and your opponent just locked in a moment. And uh, the motion and everything that seems fast on the outside is super slowed down and almost slow motion. And, and you can, um, your, your senses are super heightened. And uh, I was watching that and I'm just like, man, I wish, I wish I could have just one more performance like that. <laughs> the inside of Rashad's, uh, uh, you know, human computer is yelling. Do it, do it, come Kill me! I'm here. Come on, do it now! Kill me! Calling on that predator, Rashad. All right, that's still inside of you. Absolutely, absolutely. But here's here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I watched that yesterday, and the predator in me was calling out for it. But the smarter side of me was like, "Man, we can't take those kind of punches right now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, not anymore. Not anymore. Indeed. All right. No, no more of that. No more dickheads. No, Johnny. No more. Hey, John Jones, the matchmaker. <laughs> all right, we got a great show. For you today we're going to recap of course ufc fight night vegas four whatever they're calling that great card last weekend we're a little bit more than a week out from the launch of fight island folks right i've also secured an island well not really an island but fight island is going to be there yaz island uh abu dhabi they got four great cards coming in the span of two weeks and that 251 july 11th wow 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 three title fights can't wait to get into that but rashad as you know uh Little, little by little, things are coming back, right? Dana was the guy on the hill with the flag, the forerunner. 
But we got other sports that are tickling the ivories, maybe circling the rim, trying to tease us a little bit that they might come back. And one of them, Rashad, is baseball. Now, I know, I know, I know you're a big fantasy baseball fan. And I know even more, Rashad, that when it comes to the top podcast in the game to inform and entertain you, you're talking about the fantasy football today, Pod. I, I'm sorry, fantasy baseball today, Pod. I know you are, Rashad. I know it, right? Absolutely. Why? <laughs> because baseball is set to return July 23rd. Hey, that's just a few weeks away. It is time to draft right now. Or maybe it's time to redraft if you drafted back in March. But over the next two weeks, our brethren, Scott White, Chris Towers, and Frank Stample are previewing each position for fantasy baseball, letting you know who to draft, who to avoid, sleepers, busts, so much more. They're also taking your questions for Friday mailbags, answering anything you might have regarding the shortened season. Yes, it's the Fantasy Baseball Today pod. Hey, why don't you find that wherever the hell it is that you find? Find auto, audio or auto, your choice. Rashad, do you have a baseball background? Was that a uh, thing for you growing up? No, it was not. I mean, we played pickup games back in the day, but that's that's about it. Okay, okay. Were you uh, in in Niagara Falls area? Were you a big, what, Yankees fan, Expos fan? What do you got there? Blue Jays? What what do they care about up there? Uh, The Yankees for the most part, but I mean, we're close to Toronto, so we we got a little little bit of Toronto love too. So, I mean, it was... It was kind of both, but I, I was a uh, I was a Yankees guy when I when I watched baseball. But it's basically uh, tell me if I'm wrong. In the Greater Buffalo era, area, it's the Bills or nothing else, right? It, I mean, it, it, I saw the Riz is the Bills. It's Bills Nation all all time, all season, and everybody gears up for the Bills season, even when it's not football season. Did you ever join the rowdiness known as the Bills Mafia and maybe uh, have a little <laughs> bit too much to drink, get somebody pregnant, and then jump for <laughs> I mean. You got to at least experience the Bills Mafia if you're going to go at least one time. I didn't get it all into the debauchery like most of them do, but I've seen enough to say, <laughs> to say that I have my fair share seen enough of that to experience. Know that he's seen too much, uh, <laughs> indeed. Uh, Rashad, you got any cool summer plans coming up? Any vacations? Any projects? Maybe, uh, I don't know, you know, fixing the AC. What do you got going on down there at Casa Rashad? Man, you know, since everything is still kind of in the in the gray area as far as like kind of open and kind of still flourishing, but at the same time with the number spiking here in Florida, they're trying to, you know, kind of shut things down a little bit. So uh, what me and the family are going to do, we're going to take a trip up north and go see a friend of mine who has like a bunch of big cats like... Uh, like, whoa, whoa, we talking Tiger King here? Is yeah, this- Tiger King. Yeah, Tiger King. I'm going to send some pictures, man. And we're going to have a uh, great experience. Your friend, also known as Doc Antle, by any chance? <laughs> he knows all those guys, but not him, though. He, he okay. knows all those guys. Be careful. Don't get mauled. But, yeah, but I, look, I love big cats. I love cats in general, okay? You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for you guys for that. All right, quick pause for the cause on the other side. We got so much Poirier Hooker to talk about. We're going to inject it deep. Is it the best fight of the year ever? I don't know. We're going to get into that and more right after this. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. 
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV, the CBS Sports app, and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And we're back, BC Sugar Rashad Evans. It's the SOC. Rashad, uh, I'm just going to give you the dance floor. Saturday night, we saw a lightweight main event that was must-see. I called it ahead of time. The best fight of the summer. Rashad, it was even better. It was even better than I thought. Uh, Why? Why, Rashad, are people talking about Dustin Poirier's unanimous decision over Dan Hooker as maybe, maybe the fight of the year? I mean, that was the best five rounds I think I've ever seen. You know, uh, the, the action was was packed, a lot of back and forth action, and you really didn't know who was going to win until like the end. So it was almost like a movie in a sense. You had to sit at the edge of your seats all the way through, you know. But it was just a beautiful performance by both of these athletes, and and um, you know, it, it's one of those fights like I was saying the week before with Josh Emmett. You know, it sucks that there had to be a loser, but. You know, th- this fight right here, it-, it carried so much with it. And at the same time, you know, Dustin Poirier showed that that he is um, steady getting better. And the time off that he took and the whole, like, do I want to retire and thinking about that, that didn't damper that, that championship heart. And he, he was um, criticized coming in by Hooker saying that he didn't have a jaw, but his jaw was amazing and it held up. But, I mean, getting into this fight, you know, I think that, you know, Hooker pushed the pace of the fight with with a good a good amount of his stand up, but then for the most part, when his stand up was kind of nullified, you seen something very strange, and which I didn't expect. You seen Hooker trying to force the takedowns and going for the shots, and that should show you how how amazing Dustin Poirier is with the, with with his hands and his range. And and it was it was kind of interesting because I thought that Hooker would throw more attacks up the middle, but he didn't really throw too many attacks up the middle because uh, you know. Uh, it, it was uh, Dustin Poirier getting off at the angle and, ha- and hitting with the bigger shots. And um, it, it was, I mean, uh, it, the action was, was something to me that, that both of these guys, no matter, no matter where they go next, you know what I'm saying? People are going to be watching to see what happens and what these guys do, because it, it was, it was honestly one of the best fights that I ever seen. It really, it really is. It's, it's not hyperbole to say that's one of the best fights we've ever seen. And I think the reason why you, you so eloquently summed it up was you had the action, of course. You had, you had killer uh, – uh, I mean, it got very, very manly in there, right? I mean, there was a lot of man going on there. There was a lot of that. You love what you, those moments of just absurd toughness. But Rashad, the technique never yeah. dwindled. And it never dwindled. And even as you mentioned, when Hooker may be facing certain uh, levels of, of fatigue, that he didn't think that that he would get to because maybe he thought he was going to finish Poirier by the way he was attacking him and luring him into a brawl. Uh, it just brought out the jiu-jitsu game. And Poirier, he had like three or four near submissions. So you saw such a, a brilliant mixture of, of really everything that's great about the sport. For as much, Rashad, we'll get into it, but for as much as dad bod John Volante essentially falling asleep in Maurice Green's guard and then waking up and tapping out was like, the bottom of the MMA professional food chain, in my opinion. This main event was like time capsule. It. This is everything we love. Two top five guys, a potential title shot at stake, although not immediate, most likely, unless there's injuries. 
and just two guys that said, I, you know, I don't care how much money I make. I don't care about anything, but, but the support, but the sport and competing and that chase for that title and to show you right now that I'm better than you. And I know I'm better than you. And we're going to find out. I mean, Rashad, the, the, I want to say recklessness, but that would be the wrong word because hooker was never truly reckless, but it was almost a reckless spirit that he had early in that second round, which produced, you know, one of the best rounds in UFC history where he grabbed Poirier and was almost like, we're going deep now, not around four, not around five. We get in wet right now. And we're going to find out who, who can swim. And Rashad, he found out the hard way that Poirier is the real deal, but just hookers willingness to just go, why are we fooling around? Let's go there right now. I mean, I'm, I'm at the edge of my seat. Uh, do you remember the late Emmanuel Stewart, the great boxing trainer, Rashad? Turned oh, broadcaster. Yeah. oh, yeah. Known I do. For the, oh, my God. Rashad, I was, I was double, double sportsgasming while watching this multiple times. Just like, oh, my God. I mean, just the – I mean, Rashad, here's the difference. Okay, I know I'm rambling here, but here's the difference. The reason why I call this group of lightweights right now, no disrespect to that great light heavyweight era that you came up in, which is all Hall of Famers. But I think the lightweight division right now is the best division UFC's ever promoted at any one time. Why? Because you got stars, the skill set is there, but you have have absolute freaking savages at the elite level who aren't necessarily just brawlers, right? They're not like – it's not like they're all Arturo Gatti. They're legit pound-for-pound pound guys, but they're willing at any point to go, not just to that place, Rashad, the pl- place behind the place, <laughs> you know, the, the secret room. Like you're at that party, and you're like, why is that bedroom door closed down there? Then you open up. You, well, you find, you find out. They want to go to that place, Rashad. I got so much respect for those gentlemen. Absolutely, BC. A great summary. I, I, I totally agree. And – um like you said, they, they didn't wait to get wet at all, but, but, but um, Hooker found out. Hooker found out real soon that Dustin Poirier is quiet. But listen, still waters run deep. Sometimes you've got to say nothing and just, and, just, and just let it happen. But it was, it, was, it was absolutely amazing. And what I liked the most about that fight was the fact that once Hooker brought, uh, once, once Hooker brought Poirier deep, Poirier didn't, he didn't, he didn't, way for at all he didn't give a second thought so he's like okay this is where we at and they went right into the firefight and that pace continued the entire time and then you've seen the, the slow separation between the, the levels and just the skills and just and just and it, it wasn't much but it was just i wouldn't say skill i would just say more or less experience you know what i'm saying and you've seen that in poirier starting to come and pull away at the end of the fight. But, I mean, it was, it was one of those fights where you just at the edge of, your, edge of your seat and you just hate it for the end and you wish that every fight could be like this, but you just knew that you were watching something special. And these guys that are fighting on these cards right now, it's something very special because even if it's not just this fight, but we've been seeing weeks and weeks of just these fighters going out and fighting with just a different spirit. You know what I'm saying? It's not about money. It's not about rec- uh, um, anything else that, that they can get uh, accolades for. It, it's just about something deep within them. You know what I'm saying? And that's something to me that, that, will, that people will remember about this time. The fact that you know we were struggling and whatnot as far as a, a world, but when these guys fought, they fought hard. I think this is the best... This is the best 
consecutive string of fights that we've seen in the UFC in a, in a short, in, in a long time. From, you know, Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje through Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos through this fight. It's hard to disagree with that statement. It's going to also be hard for me right now to criticize Hooker at all. But I do want to ask you this because this was his elite level close up. He'd won three in a row. He'd won six to seven. He'd beat some really tough ass guys, right? Like, the Paul Felder split decision win is the perfect encapsulation. Hooker went to where he needed to go, and he proved that he was the better man on that night. Was he, though, Rashad, too willing to, I guess, abandon the game plan? Because when you rewatch that first round, he controlled it by doing city kickboxing stuff, right? By doing Volkanovski-type stuff, setting yeah. traps, being elusive, just, be, just having a, a rhythm that's a little bit different. And Poirier was a little bit behind trying to catch up to that. Yeah, he would eventually time him and land one big one, but Hooker's you know, uh, activity was great. And then around two, like we mentioned, he's like, all right, let, let, let's bang. You know, I'm tired of this. I want, the, I want the whole – I want it all right now. Uh, in hindsight, if you're his coach or, you're, or his mentor – what do you fix? You know, do you say, save that for the end? Yeah, I think, I think you know, with uh, Hooker, I thought he fought a great fight first and foremost. But, you know, like you said, you know, he did start to go into an area of the fight where, you know, you don't want your fighter to jump right into right away, especially when they have a great technical advantage, as we've seen it in, in, in the first round. But, um, you know, I, I felt as if, like, in the first round, he got a good feel of what Poirier can do. And then at that point, he was like, next round, like, okay, now I can take it up the next level. He didn't anticipate that Poirier had another level as well, too. And I also think that, you know, with, with Hooker, you know, um, this is his first, this is his real first big-time crack at the big guys. I mean, he had a main event for the first time last time when he fought Paul, Paul Felder, but now it was different because now he's fighting one of those upper echelon guys and, and one of the guys who even tasted gold being an intermediate champ. So it was his, it was his coming out party and he definitely performed. He definitely showed that he's on the level, but when it comes to just the overall knowledge of just the experience in a cage, just that smartness in a cage and knowing how to uh, be a veteran in there, knowing how to win rounds out of nowhere, you know what I'm saying? Off of doing very little, he still needs to uh, come around on those, on those levels. Yeah. Poirier showing he can handle a hooker just as, well as conor mcgregor a few months ago hey oh uh no seriously here rashad i just wonder if we're entering now we got 30 year old dan hooker right and, and he could bounce back from this loss of course i just wonder if we look back at the accumulation of damage and start to get a little questionable here because he dan hooker had a really interesting comment last week when i interviewed him on this podcast where i brought up that one loss to edson barbosa in december of 2018 body shot third round you remember that he walked through the gates of hell like multiple mm -hmm. times and finally was finished and i was like you know that taught us as American fans that like you got something under the hood, like your next level tough. He was like, yeah, that's, that's nothing. I didn't already know. I've been tested so many times before that, but nobody was watching. I wonder Rashad, if he's a little bit too in love with the fact that he can go there, just like we sometimes see guys abandon their technique. If they've got that fight ending power and they sort of use it as a crutch because you look back now. All right. Three hard rounds with ally Aquinta last October, in February, he goes five vicious rounds with Paul Felder, in which they were both willing to, you know, they were willing to risk it all in that moment. And now you got five more hellacious rounds. Um, and not only do I want to see him take a break, but I hope that this is a little bit of a wake-up call that he's almost too skilled, Rashad, to need to do this. 
Or I want you to give a chance to counter me and say, that's the only way he competes with these guys. Which one is it? Well, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And, and I'll go to um, my friend, close friend, Keith Jardine. Keith Jardine was this kind of guy who will go into the trenches and get and get all muddy and wouldn't care about it, you know. And he would actually uh, find a lot of success fighting at his pace because what he found out is that a lot of people really hate to fight at this pace. They really hate to go to that place. And he would, and he would win fights just because people would try to avoid going to that place. And that, but I think Hooker, you know, he – he knows he can go to that place and he finds a great comfortability in there that people don't find because they hate going there. But at the same time, like Keith, it can be a come addicting, especially when you take too many shots and it only takes one shot. People think it's accumulation of shots. It's normally just that one shot, that one knockout where after you take that shot, you're just like, whenever you got, whenever you get hit after that, you're always a little bit rattled. And you're just like, man, I, I feel a little bit more dizzy than I used to when I, when I used to take that shot, you know? And a big part of that is what you, what do you do with your body after you get done from putting it through that punishment? Do you put it through a, a regimen where it's a, um, it's a ramping down from, from, from what you just done, you know, because a lot of people, and I used to be the same way as a fighter, it's almost like a use and abuse system with your body, meaning the fact that I would train so hard, but then after the fight was over, was, I wouldn't treat my body the best. You know, I'd go out and hang out and party and drink and then start eating all the bad foods that I missed when I was trying to eat right, getting ready for the fight. So there needs to be a ramping down of the body in order to have uh, you know, get more out of your body and to be able to actually heal from having these kind of wars in there. Can he heal from there? Yes. But is he doing the right things to heal from here? I don't know. And, and, and the thing is, what we found out with Keith is that you have to work the neck because the neck is the most important thing when you're taking those shots and a lot of people don't work the neck. Yeah, my neck, my back. I hear you on that one. Rashad, do you have a fight? Our producer, Mikey Mormal, came up with a great question here. Do you have a fight in which you exited the cage kind of realizing in the moment, like I may have left a little bit too much of myself in there, or maybe I'm not the, I know I'm not the same fighter anymore from that one night. Yeah. There, there's been, there's been a a few nights like that. Like um, I always say that, you know, when I go into the fight, I don't know, I'm always different afterwards. I'm never the same afterwards, but I remember a few fights where, um, where after the fight was over, I'm just kind of like, it felt, it felt different. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I, I kind of poured myself out a bit. Um, what was one? I think uh, uh, it, it was a bit of the forest fight. I felt it, but the John Jones fight for sure. I felt that, that you, were, I you were, you were coiled and wired so tight for that. That must, yeah, have- that, that one, that one was one that took a lot out of me just because it was, it was so much, it was so far on an emotional level and, and it was just, it was, uh, I was, I was struggling with myself even during the fight. Like when I was, when I was losing and I knew I was losing, it was hard for me to be like, you know, to stay focused on task and not, and not give into my emotions of just being upset that, you know, he was, he was, he, he caught, he was catching with things, you know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, there, there's been plenty of fights, man. If, if I go back and look at some of my career, um, I can, I can definitely be like, yep, that was, a, that was a fight that, uh, that took a lot out of me. Uh, even, even the Dan Henderson fight, I felt after that fight, I was like, it was a different kind of exhaustion. I was like, man, I just feel, yeah. I, you know, I, I was starting to feel it. Did Rampage take any, any piece of your soul at all in defeat there? Nothing. Uh, uh, not, not, it, was, it was one that, you know, we, uh, I definitely felt them. Like when you, when you fight somebody 
and uh, they give you a piece of that energy, you, you feel like a bit of imprinting, you know what I'm saying? You guys kind of imprint on each other. And that's why you, no matter how much trash you talk before the fight, you always can shake hands and give dap or love, even if you can't stand that person because you guys just had that energy imprint on each other. Hate Rashad's nuts out your mouth, then talk to me. Uh, King Mo used to say that uh, Rampage was insanely strong. Like, you oh just, my gosh! Like, yeah, like, like, like uh, extra country man strength. Yeah, he he was he was real strong. He was so strong, like. Uh, <laughs> When he hit me with the uppercut, I didn't know what he hit hit me with. I thought he caught me with an illegal knee, and I didn't know until later on that it was an uppercut. But he he was so he so that door into the octagon. Why are you turning on a door? Yeah, well, what the hell's going on here? Oh, Rashad, it would be remiss if we didn't just puff Dustin Poirier's bag one more time. As part of the preview for this fight, we said this. You know, Hooker might be the rising, you know, star in the division at the moment. He might have the rocket pack on his back. And for two rounds, he looked like it. But one thing I had said that was sort of now apropos was, you know, if you're going to guarantee me I'm getting the best of Dustin Poirier, well, then I'm going to pick him over Dan Hooker on this night. But there certainly were questions to answer, right? Ten months off, hip and labrum surgery, the potential emotional toll of that one-sided loss to Habib. You add in the quarantine i mean it's a mixed bag of question marks um not only did dustin poirier just like kick those to the curb you could argue he had this this is his greatest performance ever i mean you really could argue that he was great against holloway i loved when he dug in and knocked out gaichi but i mean this performance showed me so much about the man the full maturation the per like everything all the great intangibles came out didn't have chin issues none of that this doesn't get him a title shot yet. It probably gets him a giant pay-per-view opportunity. I hope for his sake it would be something like, like Tony Ferguson. I, you don't even need to put an interim title on. That is a fight. I will – give me – where's the seatbelt? Buckle me in right now if that's the reward. Like, holy crap. But, Rashad, I feel like in a weird way what Poirier did gain from this win was, like, legendary status. Like, it, it's not that it improved his resume, you know, ten times over. He'd already been on that insane run before Habib. But I think this was a wake-up call to anybody who hadn't been thinking this yet, that we are really watching one of the greatest fighters in the sport today. And from what he brings to the table as a person, one, one of the all-time best. And, and that performance right there, like if I'm going to show anybody what Dustin Poirier was about, I'm, I may end up playing that fight at the end of the day. Absolutely. I mean, when, you was at 140, when he was at 145, you know, you've seen Dustin Poirier who, was, who, who had tremendous amount of talent and he was great in a lot of areas but just you know didn't seem to have a, a complete greatness in his overall MMA game and then you see him go to 155 and then you start to see more shades of of, of overall well-roundedness and greatness in his overall performance but Saturday was totally different because you know you didn't see any kind of compartmentalized uh, MMA from him. You know what I'm saying? You didn't see him going from, you know, boxing to kickboxing. Everything was just so fluid and so transitional that it was, that it was a beautiful uh, poetry in motion, you know, from, from the time where he was initiating, uh, you know, his, um, you know, his, his attacks and, you know, from him defending attacks. And even when he got taken down, you know, his, his work on the ground, you know, a very active guard going from one submission to the next, which is very difficult when the guy is very slippery in the stage of the fight that they were in. So, I mean, you're watching a guy who 
has learned so much and you wondering, you know, you, you've seen him, his activity on the ground. You're just like, okay, that's the wrinkle that he learned from the Habib fight. You know what I'm saying? Because now he's so active on the ground because he's not going to get held down for 25 minutes again, again. You know what I'm saying? So you've seen that he, he has taken the steps to get better. And now we're getting a chance to see a guy who's starting to understand how good he is on all levels. And not to mention, Dustin Poirier is one of the best persons outside of the cage with all his philanthropy activities and things like that. You know, this guy has a great heart and he has a good mind on a, a good head on the shoulders to, uh, to, to, to edge himself into our memories for a long time. Yeah. And he won the uh, inaugural Forrest Griffin community service award that the UFC gave out. And I was actually really happy that they played that up as a big deal because he, you know, he talked about it on the pod last week. Not only is he given, donating thousands of meals to first responders, uh, you know, during the COVID he's, he set up the local bar in his town and let everybody eat for free during the fight. I mean that, you know, it's just like little things like that. You're like, this, this is a real man here. So I respect that a lot. Uh, I mentioned Ferguson could be next Rashad. We'd all, we'd all take our clothes off for that. I mean, it would just be savagery. I mean, like look at where we actually are at the lightweight division. Habib Justin Gaethje is going to be like out of our minds. I can't believe it. If we got, Poirier and Ferguson as like the next in line fight. And as we know, Connor could parachute in at any point and maybe get whatever he wants short of Habib. Uh, good God, this is fun. Like, this is the best thing ever, the UFC lightweights. I mean, well, like, I have no idea who's going to be the champion a year from now. Like, here's the final testament I'll say to why this division's great, Rashad. We have a dominant champion who has a quote-unquote boring style, if you're uninitiated, who's only lost one round in his entire UFC career, except for that Gleason-Tebow fight. We'll forget it. it never happened. Um, and yet, this division is still, like, must-see every time out. Sometimes a dominant champion like that can suck the life out of a division. No. Gaethje could beat him, for all we know. Like, it's crazy right now. These are, like, elite all-time greats, four, five, six of them on the top right now. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is it is. It is like you said, you know, along the lines of the era when I was a light heavyweight, but like you said, even better in this fact that, you know, these guys in, in from one through 10 can definitely be a one or two guy. You know what I'm saying? It's just the, the level of the skills is just so small and it's just the, the little bit of separating these guys. But I mean, here's the truth of the matter. What I've just seen in the last few weeks of the 155 division, does Connor even have a real place in it? If we just keep it real, that, you know what I'm that, saying? Like, yes. like, does he really have a chance in this whole division? Just because, I mean, we 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 watch we watch guys in in it, you know, and just just last week that just put on a performance that I'm just like, you know what, that guy is somebody. You know, he's going to be hard to stop. So. Like, oh my gosh! Like, no disrespect to Eddie Alvarez, who is an all-time great in many organizations, but he has that one weakness, right? You can you can lure him into a brawl, and Connor focused all of his attention on that one weak weakness, lured him into a brawl, got him away from his wrestling, and knocked him out in a beautiful performance. But again, that doesn't necessarily represent who Connor is against everyone else. And I'm wondering, not just with the time removed. And the, the fact that this division has gotten so much crazier than it was in 2016 when, when Connor first won that, that lightweight title, although obviously it was crazy then, Tony, Habib, all that. Um, I'm wondering even more, Rashad, if he wants that. Now, he'll tell you on the mic, I'll fight anybody. But does he really want the smoke? 
that comes with this. We did not see him tweet at all after the fight, where normally, you know, he'll say anything afterwards, good or bad. I am his daddy. We'll get a lot of that afterwards. Yeah. We have nothing. So does that mean he's in the camp preparing, or does that mean he watched Poirier and he's like, I can't get in his head anymore. I can't beat that guy. I don't know. I don't know anymore. And and that's and that's the that's the truth, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, no one really knows what that mind of Connor is thinking. And at the end of the day, you only can guess because of what he's done in the past. You know what I'm saying? The tweeting and stuff like that always having to be the the upstager when somebody has a great performance. He's quiet on this one. That means that he's like, okay, there there may be some more that I need to do in order for me to start talking. Because you only really talk when you start feeling like you can talk, but maybe he's seen something last Saturday. I mean, Saturday was just like, you know what? I'm going to go back in the gym and I'm going to work real hard, like for a few more weeks and about a month. When I think that my level is there, I'm going to talk some trash. But right now, I'm going <laughs> to stay quiet. <laughs> Rashad, I got an important question to ask about manhood here. This is a real deal, Holy field no punches pulled this is the question okay if you ask me gun to my head is conor mcgregor a warrior i'll, I'll say yeah you know that f- those five rounds with nate at ufc 202 was was hellacious theater right he, he got over his stamina issues he fought through hell and won that fight but all of his opponents rivals contemporaries will point to uh dude he kind of ran out of gas and quit against nate dude he kind of ran out of gas and quit against Habib. Now, I'm not using the word quit. They are. So I'm going to ask you, go into your head right now. Is Connor man enough? Not man enough to accept the challenge, but is he man enough? Is he dirty enough on the inside? Is he willing to live in that place you keep talking about on the same level that Hooker reformed Poirier? We know Habib. We know Tony. We know all of these killers in this division. Is he is he of that same cloth anymore? Or was he ever? I don't know. Because there's one side to say, if you stand in a five-round brawl with him, he'll be there with you. But he's not the same guy if you drag him all over the mat. So is Connor the real underneath that, that cape and in, in that mask? I would say yes and no. And I'll say yes in the fact that, you know, you can bring him to that place like he was seen like we've seen Diaz did and it was more or less you know before he knew it he was just out there you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that that was more or less that situation before he even knew it was happening take me there I don't want yeah, to he got he got surprised into that now if if it's a situation like Habib where he's just drug into it then he's looking for a way out of it as soon as possible and and I look at the Habib fight because it, it's it's one to me that sticks out in the fact that he wasn't having his way. He wasn't having his way. And when you start getting beat and you can't, and you, and you can't have your way, the, the testament of, of who you are is in the pudding of you getting your ass, you know, you taking that whooping, you taking that butt kicking, you know, because you can't sit there and be like, hey, man, it's just business, man. Hey, man, you, you, can't, you can't, don't use your words to soften a blow when you just spent months on end talking about me like I was a dog. No, that doesn't work now. It's too late. It's too late. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that he was even trying to say that back then, say that in the cage, it kind of makes me question that that side of him. You know what I'm saying? But but at the end of the day, I know Connor is competitive and I and I know that he has a drive to compete. But does he have a draw the drive to just 
say, you know what, what, forget it all. I don't care if I live or die at this moment. I'm going to get this win. I don't I, know if he has that. I think you're right. I think he has the – he's got the craziness as self-belief that he legitimately – I believe would fight anybody, right? He was talking trash to Woodley back in the day. Woodley had the welterweight belt. He's shitting on uh, Kamaru anytime he gets to shit. If, if, he had, if, if they were like, yeah, here's the money. The money's right. The, the, you want to fight Kamaru? I believe in his head. He'll go, yeah, I'll take that challenge. But is he a front runner when it doesn't go his way? That's another story. Right. And all that. I mean, yeah, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. All right. Hey, Rashad, we got to roll on. This co-main event, uh, it drew a lot of interest. Because Mike Perry brings those eyes. He'll send podcast hosts to the depths of hell, as we saw last week. And he will call on the lovely Latori Gonzalez to be his only uh, cornerman, girlfriend, and trainer. Uh, Coach Latori's 1-0, Rashad. (laughs) In your Coach of the Year rankings right there. Um, Seriously, it was a really good performance against Mickey Gall, a guy that you – identified last week on CBS Sports HQ, like he should beat him. The odds tell you he should beat him. He's a better fighter than him, but it really was going to come down to, is Mike Perry all the way there upstairs, enough to carry out a game plan and not do something stupid? Uh, man, I was impressed in every category across the board. I, I was too. I really was. Um, because, you know, he, he went, he even found himself uh, in a different fight than than he envisioned, you know what I'm saying? He found himself doing some things that he didn't even foresee doing, but it just showed that, um, you know, he's at a different skill level. And even with all the antics and all the, you know, pretending that he's not too dialed in, oh, he went in there super dialed in, you know? <laughs> and, that, and I think that was kind of the best pump fake of all, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Faking craziness, have your girl just knowing that you're super trained up and everything else. But, I mean, it, it was um, a great performance because you've seen – and I always look for this when I see guys who are at the point of Mike Perry where he, he was in a gatekeeper position. You know, if he would have lost that fight, you know, it would have been a, a step up for Mickey Gall and bye-bye Mike Perry. But at that fight, he's shown that he's learned all the things that, you know, all the past fights have taught him. You know, all the, all the, one, you know, the one-sided whoopings and all the great fights where he just came up short at the end. He showed that he learned from that. And he showed also to me that he can be one of the top fighters. Now he just got to reel himself in just a little bit more. I say a lot bit more if he's going to reach that next level and get himself with a real team that can, that can, that can suit himself. And I can't, and and, and I don't want to say real team because he's with a great team in Florida and those guys know how to manage him well, but with a guy like Mike Perry, he has to feel like he has different options to go any different places and get different things, but at the same time still be guided under the one, under, under one, uh, one coach, you know? Yeah. And he did sort of reveal certain parts of his life, the potential IRS troubles that made you wonder, did he do this Latori stunt for attention, but maybe so he'd have to pay other cornermen when he's not uh, decided yet, which team he's going to could have been, but you nailed it. He was prepared. He was ready. And I actually like that. He had a small amount of adversity in that first round, Rashad, because Mickey Gall's striking was well improved. It was way better than we'd seen it in terms of speed, fluidity combinations. He was sort of lighting Mike Perry up for a few minutes there. And then to see Perry, take him down with, with ease. Almost did a Brock Lesnar uh, suplex city type of, type of ish to him in late in that first round. And then just complete domination. He was a stronger man late, took him down. Gall was gassing out, which has become a problem for him. And it was all Perry all the time. 
Good to see that it's not just a carnival. Good to see that he's going in the direction now of finding out how good he can be, which is what you want to see for every fighter. And, man, he does have certain intangibles that title contender, I don't know. Tough ass out. I mean, is his ceiling a potential Paul Felder type role in that division? It could be. Could be if things go 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 great for him. Uh, he's talking about coming to South Florida now, moving there full time. Maybe in your city. He mentioned uh, he wants to train with Yoel Romero, and uh, he doesn't want strings attached. Uh, I, who knows where he's going to end up? But that you could pick a worse part of the country, Rashad. I mean, hey, he's always welcome at the gyms, you know, where, where we train at in Sanford. But uh, you, you know, I, I think you know, with, with Mickey, he's just um, he showed he showed a lot in this fight. It wasn't. It wasn't a uh, a win for him, of course, by any means. But at the same time, what he's shown in that fight was he he is he is decent. You know what I'm saying? Like he he is not not only decent, but he's tough and he can present some problems. And uh, you can't sleep on him, you know. And and I think that's what Mike Perry kind of figured out. And here's a, here's the thing, you know, a, another. Uh, uh, a little, a little uh, pat on the back with Perry is the fact this. I know how hard it is to go in a fight when you, when you believe that your opponent is not very good. You know what I'm saying? He kind of sucks and you feel like you have such a huge advantage of him. We're not talking about Sun Alvey here, right? <laughs> it's, exactly. This goes to that point. He was, he was able to not give in to the frustration when you're going against a guy who you think you should beat and they just don't go away you know and that and that tends to happen and and if and if you go in to that space where you go into that frustration then you, that guy gets momentum off of your frustration and that's when you find yourself in fights like like I've been in you know what I'm saying like a Dan Kelly or Sam uh, Sam Alvey and listen I'm not saying anything about those guys but you know what I'm saying yeah, I'm not saying, but I'm certainly saying something. No, I agree with you on that, though. It's hard for Mickey Gall. You look back at his career run. He's like 6-3 and three now. You know, he won his pro debut when it just happened to have cameras there for that Dana White looking for a fight show, and we all remember he called out CM Punk afterwards. So then he fights that, you know, videographer Mike Jackson to get the chance to get CM Punk. And then he fights CM Punk, and he looks great, and he's 3-0, and oh, and we're like, oh, my God, this guy could be a future title contender. Like, But really, you know, who had he beat at that point? So right. it's like it was, you know, is this another one of those Sage North cut a guy he did beat, by the way, uh, too, you know, too, too much too soon situations. You do wonder. I mean, you look at some of those fights, you, you got to bring in Teddy Ellis. Against who? Against who? Against who? Could he have benefited? Okay, we got to say, could he have benefited Rashad from, you know, more time in an LFA for five, six fights? Probably, right? But, right. right. Here's the good and the bad about something like the Dana White Contender Series. The good is it's a minor league feeding system, and it's contested under Dana White rules, which is small cage. You're not even guaranteed to come into the UFC unless you impress me. You can win, and I still won't pick you. you got to show me the savage side of you right now. So it finds people that maybe wouldn't be found, but it also finds people who can have a good night at the office and not really be ready. So it's... And now suddenly they're thrown in deep because UFC style, you don't get a Cowboy Cerrone when you come back, right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's a joke on Connor. Cowboy's obviously a great fighter. But, like, you don't get any soft touches. So I just wonder because we, we've seen Sage Northcutt have a lot of potential and kind of flatten out. We've seen Paige Van Zandt have a lot of potential. And we know why she got pushed. And 
now I feel like they're trying to cash her out on Fight Island against Amanda Hebus, who you know is like a minus six hundred favorite for or minus eight hundred on some betting lines for rightful reasons. You know, it's 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 tough, Rashad. I don't know what the right answer is on how you on how you carefully promote a guy. If it was boxing, we would do it. We would go the long way because they always go the long way for the most part, unless you're Ukrainian and you have a big amateur background. But uh, you know. Uh, I mean, it's not that Mickey Gall still can't do it. He's young. He's young as crap, and he's got a lot of lot of experience now. But sometimes you can get too much, too much sun, Rashad, and you can't go back. You know, you got you got cancer. Yeah. It's what it is. Okay. Absolutely. I, I you know I, I I feel you, man. Because um, the thing is, once you get into the UFC, there is no there are, there are no easy fights because every single person that you're fighting, they're champion in some organization, and they're now seizing their big opportunity so all the easy fights is you know you're, you're only fighting champions you know what i'm saying so it's kind of it's kind of like you got to be ready you got to be ready to uh to be a shark at all times and you got to have a mindset that's ready to, to to be like that you have to have a mindset that feels like every single fight that they put you in they want to see you get beat so that and, that and that's one thing that greg greg uh jackson he really pushed into our mind. He, he would have us do runs and, and all kinds of conditioning. And every single time, the whole mantra was like, they want to see you lose. They want to see you lose. Let me see. And, and everything was just that whole driving force. So it kind of translated, you know, when you're in a cage, it was always like, you know, them versus me. And I'll do everything that I can to win because you, he always wanted to make it seem like you were a rat, you know, trapped in a corner. And how are you going to get out? And um, these fighters nowadays, they got to they got to be ready. All right, matchup Monday here. I got a good idea. Okay, uh, Connor probably not going to come back without the live gate. Although, let's be honest, why are we in Abu Dhabi? Because there's probably a large site fee. So probably that's the reason why you can have three title fights. Is there enough site fee money there for Connor? I don't know. Certainly not a giant fight. What if Connor wanted to stay busy though? What if he slid in the DMs of one Latori Gonzalez said, "Hey baby, you look good out there on Saturday night." What if we got Connor against Mike Perry in a pay-per-view main event later this year just for fun, just to let Connor McGregor kick the tires a bit? You're not going to get 10-20 million Connor, okay? You'll get some Abu Dhabi money though, okay? That's fine. You got it. Uh you down with this? You like this? No? No. I like it, but then it gives uh a chance for, for him to be, I mean, it'd be an interesting fight, no doubt about it. You know, he had a great dance partner in, in a Mike Perry and kind of a relatively safe fight too, where, you know, you can kind of test what Connor's drawing power would be in a situation like we're facing now with the, the COVID restrictions. So, you know, it, it will be a good testing ground and you, and you need to keep Connor in the conversation because as we're seeing each and every single fight that happens each week, it's hard to stay relevant. You know what I'm saying? Josh Emmett just had a great performance the week before, but now we're already forgetting about that fight. And we're already talking about the, 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 la- the latest greatest fight that we've ever seen in our entire life. You know, so you, you have to stay out there. And for a guy in Connor who has been inconsistent and really hasn't given fans much to chew on, you got to give him something. I mean, look at Gilbert Burns. You stay active. You stay, you know, you, you, you show a lot of great performance. If you're willing to do it in that short period, you can, you can get a lot of opportunity. You can stay, stay ready and look great. You know, you don't have to restart in training camp. Uh, Connor, Connor should really uh, – I know the, the quarantine was unexpected. 
expected. He did expect to fight three times this year, but you got to get back at it, no doubt. All right, let's run through some of these. There's some interesting stories that came out of this card. Wasn't great on paper, Rashad. Gave us a lot to ooh and ah about. Maurice Green gets a a, a well well needed, well needed, well deserved, well needed, well needed. He needed it really bad, Rashad. He got a submission win over Dad Bod John Volante. And here's what's interesting. I said it on HQ last week with you. I said, well, you know, what's your lo-? they said, what's your lock of the week? I'm like, did you see the size that John Volante got for this heavyweight debut in the UFC? Go with Maurice Green all day. Well, I didn't like the way Maurice Green fought at all. And then he got rocked late in the third. Rocks. Knocked down. Big shots. Only Volante, whatever he had left, Rashad, he poured it all over. Uh, Maurice Green, and it wasn't enough. Green showed a good chin. Uh, suddenly, you got Volante just laying in his guard, and then a weird reverse submission arm triangle choke thing, facing an armpit. We got a tap out. So I'll get it out of the way. Good personal story for Maurice Green. I'm glad that John Anik played it up. You saw him crying afterwards. He wants to take his career seriously. He wants to move from Minnesota to New Mexico with Jackson full-time, bring the kids, all that the win gives him the money for that. Great story. But, Rashad, that's a really, really bad loss for John Volante. Like, holy crap. Like, that's about as embarrassing as it gets. That ain't Sun and Silva. You know, that was bad enough. But this is like a, like the sloppy, wet, fat version of it. Yeah, I thought that Volante had him. I mean, he was actually kind of looking like one of the better versions that, that I've seen of Volante in a while with his striking and just – you know, those combinations, and he had some power that I didn't really think that he would have or transfer over to the heavyweight division, but he showed that that he had it. And he actually was starting to look like a pretty decent heavyweight, but it's just that, you know, the, the thing with Volante is the fact that he, it's, he just he, – he fights in spots, and, and you can't fight in spots, you know what I'm saying? And by that I mean this. I can't be geared up and fighting with technique and awareness when I'm on my feet – but then when I get on the ground, have a momentary of con- concentration where I just let my body or my understanding of where my body needs to be just to be wherever. And, and you see that throughout the performances of Volante. You see that, okay, he has um, you know, great ability, of course. He wouldn't be at this level. But at the same time, when it comes to just staying focused and, and, and seeing through every single position, he just doesn't do it. And, and against a Maurice Green who was – who's been all over the place as far as training concern and really trying to find his place as a professional athlete. And, and there's a big difference between when you're just training and trying to get in shape for a fight versus when that's all you have to do with your life is to train and get in shape for a fight. And you train with other professional athletes and other professional coaches who, who have trained other top level champions, you know, that's when you get better. But it's it was a bad loss for Volante. Very yeah, bad. And it was almost a bad loss for Green. I mean, Green didn't show me. I mean, he's big, but he doesn't really have a ton of power. He's decent on the ground. He's tough. But, you know, I, look, I, I'm all in on him going all in on his career to find out who he could be. But, you know, he had some some rough lapses in this fight as well, which just didn't show a lot. And then there's a big sloppy guy in your chest. I mean, look, I'm sorry. John Volante looks like Roy, poor man's Roy Nelson at this point. Oh, man. For- <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> He's a great, big, fat person. Yeah, he was. I'm sorry. Okay, it is what it is. Now, shout out to John Valenti. Uh, big win there, though, for Green. Uh, Michelle, you said watch out for this middleweight, Brendan Allen. 
He got into a war with Kyle Dawkins, took home a unanimous decision. Nobody liked that 30-27 to 27 scorecard because Dawkins put it on him in that final round, but that's a hard-earned win there from the middleweight. It was. I thought it was going to be a great fight because both these guys are so evenly matched. But, I mean, it was it was a great performance with both of these guys. I mean, you know, those guys off the Contender Series, man, they, they're showing. It's, it's, it's the proven ground. And, and when they come into this uh, UFC and they get the main card spot, oh, they go on there perform, man. Hats off to both of them, man. And, and, and I thought, like, um, like Dawkins came back that third round. It's like he just started to wake up. You know what I'm saying? So it was it – was, uh, interesting fight and it'd be interesting to see what what Dawkins does from here because I I it was it was a good fight but I, I still think that Dawkins has more that he could have shown you know yeah I mean, he got sliced up and then he turned that fight around he starts slicing up Allen's family I mean, that was a brutal fight look at that's the thing about this card man everyone brought it seemingly everybody was like you know this might be the last time I ever fight that's the way they acted out there uh nice knockout for Takashi Sato didn't want oh to- my god and that guy so so he so He's a, a, a guy that trains at Sanford, and for the last couple of times, we, I think it was in, um, I believe, Virginia, he, was, he went out there and his card got canceled, and it was, you know, after his father had passed away, and he had, like, a really tough span of just fights being canceled, and it was uh, during a time where his father passed away, and he had to go home and things like that. So his whole journey to get that knockout was uh was very emotional for everybody who knows him and even for himself. Yeah, yeah, it was good to see uh Takashi 10. 10 they call him. Why do they call him 10, Rashad? I don't know why they call him 10. All right. Well, <laughs> big win over Jason Witt there. And this was the opener on the main card, Rashad, that uh earned performance of the night for Julian Arosa in this catchweight bout. He oh my fight God. on three days notice. He goes in there against Sean Woodson who as a featherweight, has just sick height and length, uh, volume and striking ability. They put on a hellacious fight over three rounds, and you got Erosa with the Darce Joke submission late in that third round. Damn, know this guy's name now. He had had a hard road. This is a big-ass win, Rashad. So big, so big. And, and I originally picked him because I was like, you know, this, this guy, he, he's had that that up and downs, you know what I'm saying? When you have those up and downs, you face yourself a lot, and especially having as many tenures in the UFC as he has. You know, you have one, you have two, and then you finally get your, your, your third one. You're thinking, okay, I'm going to make this last. I don't care what happens. And that's what we've seen. We've seen a guy going out there fighting on his last leg, like, yo, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to get cut after this fight because I got cut two previous times before this. I'm going to leave it all out there. And that was a beautiful thing to see. But now he knows what level he can go at. And it was such a great performance for him to get it on three-day notice and to fight it, to beat a tough guy like how he did. Now he knows where he belongs. Now he knows that, okay, I just need to have some kind of mental preparation to make sure that I'm able to perform at that level. Because at the end of the day, that's all it was. When when you're taking a fight on three days, you're not performing at a level that you've trained for the last few days, a few weeks. You're performing at just what you already have, but more importantly, right here, what's in your mind, you know? My lethal weapon's my mind, yes. (laughs) Woodson was painting him early in that fight, so that was a nice comeback win. Want to see more from him? Want to see a whole hell of a lot more from Kamala Worthy at lightweight. Rashad, I feel like every time this guy steps in, I act like I don't know who he is. I'm like, wait, who's this guy? And then every time he gives you one of those performances, 
Uh, Luis Pena, Violent Bob Ross, came to fight, came to win in this lightweight duel, and were the – I mean, he stood there in that storm, showed you the technique, the toughness, gets a submission late in round three via guillotine, and now he wants Robbie Lawler. What? 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 Wow. He wants to move up and wait and get Robbie Lawler. I mean, we, we need to start talking about this guy, Rashad. I know. Common Worthy showed me something, man. And here's the thing. Like, I've, I've known Bob Ross, and he trains over at ATT, and I go and see him sometimes because he's over at King Moe's and stuff like that. And we talk, and he talked about how he's been growing so much and or his overall game from ATT to, AK, to ATT, AKA to ATT, and now how he's grown. So, you know, he's shown that he's grown a lot, but karma worthy, goodness gracious, man. He shows, he's shown that, listen, remember my name. Remember my name because I'm going to be one of those guys that you're telling, like, that you're talking about for a long time as being the title worthy champion or just somebody who just, you know, is just on top of it because. Comma. Comma worthy. I did read the headline wrong when I said he's calling out Robbie Lawler. Let me correct that. Comma worthy wants, this is even crazier, he wants Robbie Lawler versus Roy McDonald type of fights, end quote, in the future. So he's not necessarily saying, I'm going to move up and fight Robbie Lawler. He's saying, is there anybody out there that can send me to hell? Can someone bang with me? Because I'm ready to go there. You see that place that Dustin Poirier lived in Saturday? I'm ready to be right next to him. That's what he's saying, Rashad. I respect that. But listen... I mean, listen, everybody was feeling like that. I was, my, my old ass was feeling like that. I'm on a couch and I'm feeling like, <laughs> I'm feeling like I need to have a few more rounds like that, even though I shouldn't. You know what I'm saying? But, but I believe that, you know, that's the kind of energy that goes out when you see two people performers like that. But even, even for Common Worthy to say that, to say I want to go to that place, it shows that he knows that he has it in him. He yeah. knows that he has that, that place in him, you know? Uh, that was like his ninth win in a row. He's looking fantastic. A lot of people jumping through the screen, and a lot of people taking fights on four or five days' notice. You see this heavyweight Tanner Bozer from Canada with a mullet. He's missing a tooth. He goes in there against Felipe Lins and, and knocks him the hell out within one round. I guess we got to start watching this guy at heavyweight, Rashad. I mean, you know, he's a little bit, little bit country bumpkin looking, but the dude can punch, man. Shout out, right? Dude, amazing, amazing, amazing fight. And I was so... I was so caught off guard with that one too because you know I've seen Lens, but I've never seen this guy. But I mean, it, it's it's the short notice coming off the couch, like you know what? This is my opportunity, and this is what and this is what this whole quarantine or this whole COVID situation, these fights present is that it, it favors the guy who's well, who's willing and ready to give it all. And and and, and here's the thing: to do it in a place where it's like. Not a typical space. You're not having any fans, so you're not doing it for the intention of it all. And that's and I think that's another re- reason why these fights are different, is because typically speaking, going into fight week, we have so many things that can that that you have to do. They give you a big itinerary with a huge bunch of things, and all those things they slowly slow you slowly pull you away from the fight until on Friday on fight day where you weigh in and then you can kind of recalibrate yourself and get in a mindset, but that, but you only have one day to do that. Now, without having all this media, these guys are having this whole time to just sit and just process what they're going to do on Saturday and not having the stress and frustration of it all. So you're seeing these performances that like that are just absolutely amazing, but it's the fact that these fighters are not having to do so much 
beforehand and they're going in there fresh and just ready. You know who looked fresh and ready? Shout out to Kay Hansen. I mean, outside of the bigger name, she kind of stole the night, Rashad. The women's straw weight, uh, what was she, 20 years old, second youngest fighter behind Chase Hooper, youngest female fighter in the UFC game. Rashad, she had a legitimate opponent for her UFC debut here against Jin Yu Fry, former Invicta champion, 35, fought a ton of people we would know. And Kay Hansen, who called herself sort of a product of the Rousey revolution, comes out there and, and gets Rousey in with a, with a third-round submission. Um, she didn't look like a killer on the stand-up. That, that, that should come over time with the right matchmaking, potentially. But just to show you the toughness, she had suffered a cut over her eye a minute before. Blood covered her face. To see her transition on the ground and come up with that arm bar, it's like, Yep, add her name to the uh, next time she fights. I'll be there no matter what time of the night it's going to be on. Absolutely. I think that she was phenomenal. And um, to get that armbar like Rhonda, it was so poetic. You know, it, it, was, it was so beautiful. And that just goes to show what this sport has done, you know what I'm saying, for, for men and women, especially for women, and the fact that, you know, now we're seeing the generations of the women who – who, who, who followed and watched Rhonda. Now they're coming up. You know what I'm saying? I'm holding mitts for my daughter the other day and, and, and she's, and she's got that focus. And now she believes different about what she can be because other women fighters that she's seen, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it, it's such a infectious mindset that has happened uh, because of that whole Rhonda era. But this, 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 this girl is, is going to be something. I mean, she's, she seems to just have it all. You know, she has a great, great looks, um, great fighting skill and just that that hunger. You know what I'm saying? You see that she's just not a girl out there who's looking to try to be popular. No, she's fighting because she's a fighter. You know, and I think that old dude, twenty Rashad, twenty years old, drinking beer in the woods at twenty years old, uh, working as a janitor at Stop and Shop while taking you know night college classes. Like I wasn't in a position to be like doing anything in life. And you know, look look at this. Wow. I'm telling you, man, and, and she's going to get better. She's going to get better. It's going to be interesting to see how they match make her because she has so much potential and you want to bring her up the right way. This is one where you bring up the right way. This is one that you don't get impatient with. and You just throw her to the wolves. You bring up the right way. You put her with some technique with, with some people where she, you know, she has her safety net being the fact that she's a great grappler and they may not be as much, but somebody who, who challenged her a bit with the striking so she can work on her striking a little bit more, you know? Absolutely. Want to see where she can go for real. Fun card, man. I'm t- every time I want to feel like these cards, oh, this one's going to – oh, I, Calvillo is going to suck. Well, that one entertained too. Rashad, the UFC, they're on a roll. It'll continue not this weekend, the weekend after July 11th. Fight Island kicks off. Uh, I did not like, though, Rashad. I'll say this for the final time. Dana put out an Instagram photo of the – octagon getting set up on the sand on the beach on the at the end of yaz island oh fight island rashad it's the same damn arena that habib fought poirier at there ain't no fight i know that's what they're using as the marketing because if they would have come out a month ago and said we're gonna go to yabu dhabi for for a month people would be like oh okay but fight island's sexier i get that they ain't fighting in that octagon got on the ocean Rashad all right it's not happening okay you could take nice pictures out there that's cool but we're fighting inside the arena it's gonna be great fights I'm done complaining 
<laughs> hey, BC, BC. So, so the disappointment is, is that it's not an island. Like you feel like they kind of hit you with a switcheroo, a little misdirection here, huh? Fight, fighter festival, fight festival, whatever you call that thing. I wanted that, Rashad, all right? I wanted somebody to take one for the team. Andy, we need you to take one big thing for the team. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, all right? I wanted tropical. Fire fest. Thank you, Mikey Mormon. <laughs> fire fest. F- fire fest. Fire. People might not show up to fire fest. They might not even show up. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I just got to fight a uh, main event at like 6 a.m. for these to be you know, capable of uh, playing in normal East Coast standard time. So that's that's an adjustment, Rashad. That's not- it is a big adjustment, and that's why a lot of them are leaving. Um, they're leaving pretty soon. They're leaving pretty – like next week, they're already leaving to make sure that they get ready and acclimated for it. But, I mean, that's tough fighting at that, that time of warning because I was never a morning athlete. Like, I would always do my absolute worst in the morning, but – in the evening, I was such a great athlete. And um, and I say that because these fighters got to know what kind of athlete they are in order to, if they're a slow starter in the morning, they have to find a way to, to get themselves in a position where they can get enough time to make themselves warm up enough where they can be uh, effective. I haven't talked to Scott Coker in a while, but I'll put in a good word for you when I do next time. I'm Rashad. Welcome to the Machida era. It's time for the rematch, okay? That's where I need you to focus your energies. Whatever's left in that tank, okay? Leoto, we're coming for you here, all right? Hey, don't tell Coach Whitman he can sit down. Me and Latori in your corner, okay? That's right. <laughs> all right. That's our show for the week. Uh, Rashad, I hope you enjoyed this 4th of July weekend. You have any safe plans? You're going to set off some, uh, some cherry bombs? What's going on? I think I'm just going to drive up north to go see my brother in Jacksonville and go spend it with him. What? That's about it, you know. Is this your actual brother? My my actual brother, my actual brother. Because I, I got a lot of brothers, but, you know, I got – this is my brother. Is, was brother. this man a, a, a star athlete? No, no, he, he was in the Navy. He was in the Navy. He's not my brother, Lance. My brother, Lance, was in the Ultimate Fighter show. We used to fight together. We actually made our right. pro debut together. I forgot about that. How many fights yeah. did you end up taking? He did, like, uh, four four fights. He was, like – I mean, six fights. He was, like, four and two or something like that. Did he have a nickname? Uh, Grizz. Grizz. Okay, okay. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to deep dive the Lance Evans career there. So, shall yeah. We? All, right. all right. Uh, Rashad Evans is. Uh, you can find him at Sugar Rashad Evans on all the uh, all the the social accounts. I don't know. You, if you're on TikTok, I don't know. I'm not there, Rashad. Okay, that's it. No, nah, I'm not. TikTok is too much, man. I can't be doing all those those dances. Uh, you're not gonna catch me doing it. <laughs> year old men. We don't do that. Uh, shout out to all the listeners. We love you all. I love you. See you soon. Uh, we'll be back next week to set the stage for three title fights, UFC 251. Can't wait. We'll be there for Sugar Rashad Evans. It's your boy, BC, reminding you of two words. We out. We out. Now streaming. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil, has returned. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus.